Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Imagine that most of us have, at, at various times in our lives, had the experience of being treated like just a number rather than like an individual human being. Maybe it's been a time that you have been on hold for perhaps hours with your insurance company or with some other customer service line trying to straighten out a claim or to get something uh, straightened out with your account. Or maybe it's been uh, waiting in line at the Secretary of State, uh, waiting to renew your driver license or take care of some other matter there. Well, it seems that often in those situations, our individual circumstances, ourselves as individual human beings, don't really seem to matter a whole lot to the customer service representative on the other side of the line or the other side of the desk. Very often in those situations, we just boil down to a number on a ticket or, or dollars and cents on a bill. Nobody likes being treated just like a number. But maybe the worst time of year for that to happen to us is at Christmas time. Business is, is brisk, schedules are packed, and store clerks are so busy that people can sometimes be treated like something far less than individual human beings. And here is where one of the facts of the Christmas story really hits home to us. It's that Jesus himself knows how it feels to be treated like a mere number also. Remember that Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem in the first place as part of a census that was taken of the entire Roman world, of the whole Roman Empire, that Bethlehem was not their hometown. It is in the southern part of the land of Israel in Judea, and they, uh, their hometown, uh, at least where they grew up and lived, was in the northern part in Galilee in the town of Nazareth. But because of this census that uh, the Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus wanted everyone in his whole empire to be counted. They had to go, even as pregnant as Mary was, to Bethlehem, the ancestral hometown of Joseph and Mary as descendants of King David. People had to be counted, lest anyone slip through the cracks and not get taxed under the, the harsh Roman taxation system. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph and how frustrated and degraded and victimized they must have felt by Caesar's orders, especially at such an inconvenient time for very pregnant Mary? And their experience in Bethlehem went the same way. The sign on the end, if, if there had been one, said, no vacancy. They were late in taking a number to get into that establishment. The fact that Mary was obviously very pregnant apparently meant very little in that cold world. But don't get the idea that Jesus' birth wasn't marked by the Roman Empire. We can rest assured that Jesus was recorded by the census taker as just another digit, just another number, a nameless, faceless Jewish peasant boy born there in Bethlehem. And we recall how that puppet local king under the Roman Empire, King Herod, also tried to find that uh, one among many of the baby boys in Bethlehem. 
how he developed an inordinate, mad, hate-filled interest in, in that list of baby boys under the age of two, and how he ordered that all of them be ruthlessly killed so as to prevent that one whom the wise men said was born to be the king of the Jews from growing up and threatening his own authority. At least that's how he perceived it. Our experience of being treated like just numbers is not unique or, or modern. It's quite typical, in fact, painfully common throughout all of human history. Just ask our Lord. Yet right here, this same old wonderful story of Christmas has good news for you and me also. Christmas underscores the, the wonderful fact that God treats us like individual persons. Consider the place of those nameless, faceless shepherds in the gospel account that we just heard read from Luke chapter 2. As far as most people at that time were concerned, shepherds were the nobodies of society. They were a rough, tough class of unlearned men who very often smelled like you would imagine from the work that they did, uh, being together with their sheep out in the open country day in and day out. You could list dozens of occupations that ranked higher than shepherd among the people of that time. But through those simple, down-to-earth men, God tells all the world's nobodies, you are somebody to me. The angel said to those humble shepherds, Today in the town of David, a Savior was born for you. God sent his heavenly host, the, the majestic and glorious angels who are his mighty warriors who serve him, to announce to those shepherds individually, as valuable persons loved by their heavenly Father that they are, to treat them there out in the open countryside with their sheep to that amazing Christmas concert that none of us can even imagine uh, as the, even the most wonderful concerts that we have heard on this earth. God gave those simple shepherds the sign of where to find that promised Messiah so that they would be the first of all people aside from Mary and Joseph to see the fulfillment of God's promise to send a Savior that God's people had been waiting for for thousands of years at that point in time. Christmas is the story of how our God always goes about personalizing life. And this welcome fact didn't only apply back then to those shepherds. Consider again the good news of how each of us fits into this account. Christmas, of course, is the celebration of one man's birthday, Jesus. And each one of us has a birthday of, of his or her own. While our birth wasn't miraculous as Jesus was, and while none of us can ever dream of saying that we are true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, yet the same God who formed Jesus in Mary's womb also gave each one of us life in our mother's wombs as well. That's the amazing truth that we confess in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And even more to the point are the words of the explanation to that first article of the Apostles' Creed that 
our confirmation class students have memorized, I believe that God created me and all that exists and that he gave me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my mind and all my abilities. And I believe that God still preserves me by richly and daily providing everything that I need. We believe God to be the intimate and personal creator of each and every one of us. Each one of us are God's special, individual, personalized creation. And at Christmas, we recall that God's eternal, all-powerful Son became one of us and one with us. But let's never forget that this only begotten Son of God, above all, came for us. He came so that he could live under God's law, fulfilling it perfectly in our place, so that he could credit his perfect righteousness to our account in God's sight. And he came so that he could die under that law of God. The holy, immutable, unchanging law of God that says the wages of sin is death. And that also warns the soul that sins is the one that will die. Jesus was the only man who was ever born for the express purpose of dying. In his death, he paid for the guilt of our sins. And he did that personally for each one of us as he was nailed there to the cross. He wasn't thinking about the the nameless, faceless, vast number of of the billions of people who, who have lived and will live in the history of this earth. No, he was thinking individually about each and every one of us, about you and me and his desire to forgive our sins so that we will live with him forever in his heavenly kingdom. And when he rose again from the dead on Easter morning, he, in effect, promised each of us our own personal resurrection and our own individual eternal life with God. And toward that end, God's Holy Spirit, the same one who gave Jesus his physical life in his mother's womb, also gave each one of us new spiritual life through the waters of holy baptism. On that day that we were baptized, God called each of us by name to receive his personal love and forgiveness, pledged and assured to us for Jesus' sake. That's what baptism is. It's God's miracle of personalized love for you. In a world that's so often cold and and callous toward individual people, God assures us again and again that he treats us quite differently than that. He treats us like valuable, dearly loved sons and daughters that we are for Jesus' sake. Not just like numbers or, or nameless, faceless people in a vast crowd. Because that is true. Through this word of God, the Holy Spirit moves us in turn also to treat other people in that same personalizing way that God treats us. Don't you feel God's love stirring in your heart to make room for those who, like Jesus, are given no room in life's inn? Martin Luther, the reformer, in one of his many sermons at Christmas, hits this point in a very personal way. He says, There are many in this congregation who think to yourselves, if only I had been there, how quick I would have been to help the baby. I would have washed his linen. How happy I would have been to go with the shepherds to see the Lord lying in the manger. 
Yes, you would. You say that because you know how great Christ is. But if you had been there at that time, you would have done no better than the people of Bethlehem. Childish and silly thoughts are these. Why don't you do it now? You have Christ in your neighbor. You ought to serve him. For what you do to your neighbor in need, you do to the Lord Christ himself. Now that quotation may be over 400 years now at this point, but how pertinent and applicable it still is for us Christians today. What are we doing, not just at Christmas time, but throughout the whole year, to personalize God's love to those around us? How desperately this sin-stricken world of ours needs God's love from each one of us. Consider just one illustration. Today, Herod's senseless slaughter goes on. In just our country alone, not counting all the rest of the world, almost one million living, unborn human beings created by God are snuffed out in abortion each year. Those tender human lives are thought of only as numbers and statistics. Our impersonal world is still the hardest on those defenseless innocent lives. Well, what shall we do to make room for them in life's sin? What shall we do for all the others who are, who are hurting and in need of, of, of the love of God and of the assistance and care that we can bring? We Christians today have the privilege of personalizing the gospel love of Christ to our neighbor, to those around us that God has placed in our lives. Our reading from Luke chapter 2 tells us that after the shepherds had seen that newborn baby Jesus, the Savior of the world, they went right away and told the other people of the town of Bethlehem about this great good news, that they have seen the newborn Savior, and they told them what the angels had said to them about him. And that's how we also can work for peace, the peace about which the angels sang. That peace comes about in the hearts of people every time they hear this good news about the Prince of Peace who has won spiritual peace for us by the forgiveness of our sins. That is the peace that we celebrate today. That is the great good news of Christmas. And so what joy we have on this Christmas day. This message is so very personal for each one of us. Because Jesus was born long ago for everyone here today, 2,000 years later. May you and yours receive much joy today and, and in every day that follows because of this good news. So a very Merry Christmas to all of you. In Jesus' name, amen.